We are so glad that you have chosen to stream this audio, and we hope it will encourage you in your faith and your walk towards Christ-likeness. As a side note, we pray that this audio sermon is just supplemental in your relationship with Christ and in no way replaces the church you are plugged into or the pastor that God has put in your life to shepherd and care for your soul. And so with that said, please enjoy this sermon. We have prayed that God would use it in your life. Well, it's good to see all of you today. Uh, Today is part two of a three-part series that we are doing um, called Moving Forward. And so last week, if you weren't here with us, uh, just a quick recap. Uh, Last week, we looked at the idea of the unchanging God um, who stays the same though life changes, though churches change, though ministry changes, though jobs change and families change. Our God, he always remains the same. He has always been the great I am. He always will be the great I am. And he is always the one that we look to in the midst of all of life's changes. And so last week we looked at the idea that there is a a difference between moving on and moving forward. We talked about how moving on is kind of this idea that uh, friends may give to you whenever you've had a bad breakup, um, whenever something bad has happened in your life, or when just a season of life has ended and you're looking towards a new job or a new reality, something, something has changed, and maybe a friend has told you before, well, just move on so you can start enjoying what's, what's next. And, and, and moving on kind of communicates this idea that what's happened in the past, we forget it. And, and what we want to be about as Christians and as believers and as a community of faith here at Jefferson Down Baptist Church is not moving on, but moving forward. And so we don't move on and forget all that God has done. We don't forget whether it's bad things that he's led us through or good and great seasons of ministry and life and joy. We remember what God has done, and, and Christians and believers have done this throughout the scriptures. Uh, you look and you see believers looking back at what God has done in the past as they look forward to what God has for them in the future. And so as a community of faith, that's what we're doing together is we're looking at moving forward, not moving on. We're looking at moving forward in light of what God has done the last 10 years, in light of what God has done since 1845 when this church began and even back farther uh, when the church began. And so today, we're gonna be looking at just that, at the church's beginning. If you'll turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter one with me, we're gonna spend most of our time in Acts chapter one. You can also put a bookmark in John 14 and Matthew 28, as we'll look together at the Great Commission and the promise of God's spirit, his presence with us. Uh, Today, uh, we're looking at Just like we looked at the unchanging God last week, now we're looking at this unchanging God's unchanging mission. So what he wants to do through his people. So if you'll join me in Acts chapter one, we'll start in verse one and go down through verse 11. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. 
So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we ask that you would help us to look to you, sovereign king of all the earth, as we've just sung about. God, in the midst of life's changes, in the midst of changes in churches and ministry and jobs and families, God, we look to you, the unchanging God, and and we trust that you have plans and purposes for us, that your mission, it never changes that you have been about the same things from the very beginning. Before we ever knew anything about you or your plans for us, you have always been about this mission of redemption, this mission of calling people to yourself. And Lord, you've made your church about this mission of making disciples. And so God, we pray that you might help us as a local church, a community of faith, to trust in you and to be about your mission the unchanging mission of making disciples. And it's in Jesus, your glorious name, that we pray. Amen. All right. So first first thing I want you guys to notice is that in in the first couple verses here, we we read that here's, here's what Luke is telling us. Luke, if you remember, has written a gospel before the book of Acts. And And Acts is kind of this part two of his two-volume history of of Jesus and the church and what Jesus is doing. And so in in the first book, O Theophilus, he says, so he's pointing you back to the Gospel of Luke, where we read about Jesus coming on the scene, who Jesus is, what Jesus did in his earthly ministry, and, and then even the Great Commission towards the end and all of these things. And so he's saying, O Theophilus, look back to the first book and see that I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. So that's the key word there, began, because what Luke is implying is what he's about to show us is, is what Jesus continues to do and teach, right? And so in the first book, he, he tells all that Jesus began to do, and in the second book, in the book of Acts, he's telling about what Jesus is going to continue to do through his church. And so the interesting thing is that what we read in the book of Acts, we we read about Paul and Peter and, and other apostles and even deacons like Stephen who preached the word of God boldly and, and served the church humbly. And, and we read about all these things, all these different characters, all the mighty works of God that were done through them, the gospel going forth and spreading throughout the area and going to the ends of the earth. And, and one of the most interesting things is that in, in their day, the ends of the earth was here. And so you and I are the ends of the earth according to uh, the way that Paul and Peter and and the other disciples would have been thinking about their world. And and one of the incredible things is that you and I, we we now think that the ends of the earth is even farther. And 
And so the book of Acts is the story about what Jesus is continuing to do through his church, but Jesus himself isn't present for most of the book. And so Luke is implying that he's about to write a, a, a huge book about what Jesus continues to do, except Jesus shows up on like two pages in the whole book. And so what he's meaning there is that what he's about to write is what Jesus himself is doing through believers in Christ, what he's doing through his church. And so that just because Jesus has gone to sit at the Father's right hand and reign from heaven does not mean that he's still not present and working amongst his people. And so what we're looking at today is how Jesus continues to work through his people, through the church. And the main point I want you guys to see today is that in the midst of change, our mission stays the same. Just like last week, we looked at how in the midst of change, our God stays the same. This week, we're looking at the unchanging mission. And so the first thing is that Jesus continues to work through his church. And so... uh, Maybe, maybe you've had a boss that has had a, a new initiative at work before. He's, he's got this new plan. He, he has, he's, has planned out how he's going to implement it. And, and, and one of the most sure things that you can find whenever your boss has a new idea is that it's not just going to be him accomplishing it, right? You're going to have a part in this. He's, part of his plan is for you to be one of the ones that actually carries out the plan, Right? And so it's similar to how we think about God and what he's doing in our lives is that God is continuing to work. He's continuing to accomplish his plans, but he's doing it through you and me. And so what Jesus is doing throughout the book of Acts and even now as we continue in the age of the church, the age of the spirit, where God is still present working among his people is that Jesus himself is working through you and me. He is working through us in this community and as we go out from here on mission to the ends of the earth to share this gospel that we believe, this gospel that we are going to celebrate today as we take of the, of the bread and the cup and as we celebrate what Christ has done together, Jesus is continuing to spread the good news through you and me. Jesus continues to work through his church and, and one of the things we talked about last week is how Jesus has been working in in particular ways through this particular church since 1845. And and we noted last week how that does not happen with churches. Churches don't last for that long. Churches don't continue that way. Um, In small group, we were talking about this the other night, and, and, and Dan Hall just Googled it real quick. He's like, what's the average lifespan of a church? And it came back as something like uh, 70 years. And, and I would say that that's even stretching it from just some experiences in ministry and, and the churches that I've seen. But one of the incredible things about what God is doing here through Jefferson Town Baptist Church is that he's continuing his mission and he's been doing so for a very long time. Almost 175 years, which we'll celebrate here in just a couple of years from now. So God has been continuing to work through his people in this area, in this community, and he's invited you and I to be a part of it. And that's an incredible joy, an incredible privilege. And, and the other thing is that not just, not just that Jesus continues to work through local churches like ours, he continues to work through individual believers. And so he continues, he has you here in this congregation, in this place, in this city, in this community for a reason and a purpose. And so you're not here by accident. If you're in this room today, this is not an accident. 
Jesus, just as we sang about, he's the sovereign king of all the earth. He is reigning and ruling from on high. He has ascended to his father's right hand, and he's continuing to work because he sent his spirit, as we're going to talk about here in just a few moments, and he's continuing to work through you and me, whether it's just in the surrounding neighborhoods around our church or whether it's at our workplaces or in our families. He's continuing to use you and I by the power of his spirit. He's accomplishing his unchanging mission. And so Jesus, part of that mission is bringing about his kingdom. And so look with me at, at, uh, at verse 3 here. It says, He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which is the Holy Spirit, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then look at verse six. It says, so when they had come together, they asked him, and look at what they asked Jesus. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And so what's on the disciples' mind when they look at Jesus and his ministry is his kingdom. And so the disciples and the Jewish people had been looking forward to this day when God's Messiah would come, when, they, when the, the kingdom of God would be restored on the earth, uh, the kingdom would be restored to Israel. And, and so Jesus, for the last 40 days, has been speaking to them about the kingdom of God. He's not just been speaking about, about grace and truth, though he's certainly been doing those things because they're a part of his kingdom message. But if you read in Mark's gospel, when Jesus shows up on the scene and it says that Jesus went out to start preaching, what's he preach? He preaches the kingdom of God. And so what is the kingdom of God? Well, the kingdom of God is God's redemptive rule and reign established in Jesus. And so when Jesus comes, when the king of kings comes and shows up among us, he is bringing the kingdom with him. And so in a broken world where there are all sorts of principalities and powers and all sorts of chaos and confusion, um, God himself shows up as the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and he brings about his kingdom, he begins to bring a redemptive rule and reign. So he begins to call people to himself and restore them to faith. And, and then he's, he's not only looking at redeeming individuals, but he's looking at redeeming his creation as well. And so God is continually working to bring about his kingdom, and it's through Jesus. And Jesus is the one who continues to bring his kingdom through his people by his spirit. And so what we need to look at is uh, down further in, in this chapter is that Jesus continues to give power to his people for his mission. And so, so if what Jesus has tasked us with is the Great Commission, this idea that we're to be about sharing the gospel of Christ, that we're to declare his name, his goodness, his grace, and his redemptive power, then then we need power to do it. Because I don't know if, if, if you've ever tried to convince someone to become a Christian, but it doesn't work very well. And, and what I mean by that is not that your conversations with people aren't effective, but that when someone comes to faith in Christ, it's not because you're really good at what you're doing. It's not because you were eloquent with your speech. It's not because you just said the right things. It's not because you convince them. It's because the Holy Spirit of God breathed new life. 
and he worked through the words that you were proclaiming about God, about his grace and his mercy, and he used you as an instrument of his kingdom work in that instance. And so when you're sharing the gospel at work, when you're sharing the gospel with your loved one that you've been praying for for years, and, and you've been sharing the gospel with them day in, day out, week after week, and still no progress has been made, the reason that we have hope is because when God saves, he's the one that does it. It's not our convincing words. It's not our eloquent arguments. It's that God's spirit has been given to his people for this mission. And so what we trust in is not our abilities. It's his spirit. It's his power. It's his presence. And so look with me at, at Acts here in Acts chapter 1. Look at what Jesus says. After he, and he doesn't just sidestep their question here. Instead of, instead of saying, this is when God is going to fully establish his kingdom and restore all things, instead of telling them that, he says, this is what your part in it is. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. So there's our role. In Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth, And so Jesus promises that he'll give his spirit to his people for this task. And so we read in John chapter 14, Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth. And so the disciples had been worried because Jesus had been speaking about his departure. They had followed this man for three years. They had left homes and jobs and all sorts of things to follow this man. They had given up everything. And this man who they had placed their trust in was telling them not only was he going to leave them, but he was going to die. And if you can imagine, they must have been feeling a great deal of anxiety and fear and worry in these moments. And, and here's what Jesus says to them. He says, listen, I know that I've been a help to you. I know that my presence has been good for you. I know you've placed your hope in me. But listen, when I leave, I'm giving you another helper to be with you forever, one that will never leave, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Listen to what he says here. These are just the sweetest words from our God. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And so, friends, in times of uncertainty, in times of change, when, when we can't even make sense of what God is doing in our lives, here's where our comfort is. That Jesus himself has promised his presence. That Jesus himself will never leave you nor forsake you. That Jesus himself has given his spirit to those who trust in him. And so you can know that God is with you. He will not leave us as orphans. He will come to us and so in times of uncertainty and change, we can know that Jesus does not leave us. And then we read in chapter 15 of John's gospel, but when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. And so what Jesus is saying is that the reason he's giving the Spirit is so that the Spirit would help us bear witness about who he is and what he's done. And so when Jesus gives the disciples this great task of taking this gospel message to the ends of the earth and making disciples, he doesn't do so 
in a way that leaves them wondering where their power is going to come from for the task. Instead, he says, listen, this is the reason that the Spirit is coming. He's coming so that he would bear witness about who I am. And so as you and I go forth and we share the gospel, we know that this is what the Spirit of God does. He bears witness to who Jesus is. And any place that a spirit is not bearing witness to him, it's not the Spirit of God. And then in John 16, here's what we read. But now I am going to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. My grandmother told me this story about this time in, in her and my grandfather's life where they had, they had recently become Christians and, and this older couple had, had discipled them, had invested in them, had invested in their children, had been with them through the thick and thin, had, had showed them what it meant to follow Jesus in a broken world. This, this couple was their mentors. And, 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 and the guy, he was, he was my granddad's boss at work. My, my, my grandfather was a highway patrolman his whole career. And, and this, was his, this was his corporal. This was his superior. And so not only was this couple their friends, uh, this, this guy was my grandfather's boss at work. These two people were responsible for my grandparents growing in their faith, learning what it means to follow Jesus. And, and one day they asked if, if they could come over for a minute at about 9 o'clock in the evening. And, and my grandparents had younger kids at the time, and so they're thinking, really, 9 o'clock? Like, you know, it's bedtime. Um, and, and so they're like, okay. And they're like, we just want to talk with you for a minute. And so they come over, and, and my grandfather opens the door, and, and his mentor steps in the house, and he shakes his hand, and he says, congratulations, corporal. And my grandma is like taken aback because that's his title. And so it hits them finally that what this means is that my, my grandfather had just become eligible for promotion. And what he's telling him is that, listen, you got the job. You got the job. But then it dawns on them that that was his job. And so my, grand, my grandmother asks, does, does that mean that you're going to be his sergeant? Does that mean that you got a promotion too? And he, and he said, I am going to be a sergeant, but it's going to be in this town about 45 minutes down the road. And so we're not going to live here anymore. And for my grandparents, that moment was a moment of great fear and anxiety because this couple had shown them how to live life as a Christian. They had been responsible for them growing in their faith, for them knowing how to teach their children about Jesus. And, and then all of a sudden, this couple that they had leaned on so heavily, heavily is, is leaving. And so I imagine, just like the disciples did in this moment in John's gospel, as they're thinking about their leader leaving, their mentor leaving, the one that they've followed and trusted in for the last three years of their lives, uh, they felt some great anxiety about this. But what Jesus says here to the disciples is that it's to your advantage that I go away because God has something better in store. And so in our lives, whenever a change happens, if we're trusting in Christ, then we have great hope 
because it means that Christ is still accomplishing his plans. He is still working out his unchanging mission through us. And so we look to him as the sovereign king of all the earth, as that great song has said, because we know because he's told us. We know because he's told us ahead of time what he's going to do and that he's going to do it through you and I. And, and what my grandparents found is after this couple left, though they had intense anxiety and fear about them leaving, God was bringing them into the next season of their life. And all of a sudden what they noticed is that they were becoming the mentors. There were younger couples around them that they were investing in. And, and though their lives were never the same from that point, though, though that they were still friends, the relationship had changed, and, and God had moved people, and, and change had happened, they knew that God was in it. And friends, what you and I can know is that whether it's a change in our families, whether it's a change in our friendships, whether it's a change at our job or in our churches, we can know that God is accomplishing his plan because his plan doesn't depend on you or I. He works it out through us. So do you understand what I'm saying there? When, when I say that his plan does not depend on you or I, it means it's not up to us. It means that it's not by our own, our own abilities. It means that you're not going to wreck God's plan for your life because he's sovereign, because he's king, and you can trust him because he's unchanging, as we looked at last week. And his mission is unchanging. What he wants his church to be about is unchanging, the task of making disciples. And so we can trust him because he's given us his presence. He has not abandoned us. He has come to us in his spirit. When we trust in Christ, God's presence is with us. And finally, what we see here is that Jesus' people continue to make disciples who make disciples. And so in verses, verse 8, we read about uh, the Great Commission there. And then if you'll look with me at Matthew chapter 28, whenever you think about the Great Commission, this is often the place that you go to where it's most clearly laid out for us. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Here's what Jesus says. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Listen to this here. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so this is what Jesus wants his people to be about, making disciples who make disciples. And so we have to ask ourselves, what is a disciple? Well, I think there's three things that we can think about when we think about what a disciple is. A disciple is a follower, a learner, and a teacher. And so track with me here. Uh, a disciple follows a leader, so they're a follower. So they follow after someone, just like the disciples followed after Jesus in his earthly ministry, watched how he, he went about life, watched how he taught the crowds, watched how he ministered to people that were broken and hurting. They followed him and they learned from his example. And so disciples follow a leader and learn from their example, namely Christ. 
And then disciples are also learners. And so we read about the disciples sitting underneath the teaching of Jesus throughout the Gospels. And so not only did they follow his example, they learned from the words that he spoke. And so similarly, you and I, we look at who Jesus is and what it means to follow him in the Gospels, and then we listen to his words, and, and we, this is the reason that we preach the word of God every Sunday. This is the reason that we walk through books of the Bible, for the most part, on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. We walk through it together, verse by verse, book by book, learning what our God is saying to us, because a disciple is a follower and a learner. They continue to grow in their faith. And so discipleship doesn't stop when you get saved. It's not, you don't just become a disciple when you get saved, though you have become a disciple of Christ, you continue to grow in discipleship as you learn from God's word and as you grow in faith. And then finally, disciples are teachers. So disciples are made when they become teachers, when they become disciple makers. And so if you'll look with me at the Great Commission here, I want you to notice something about what Jesus says. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then listen to what he says here. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And this is a command, right? That Jesus is giving. The great commission is a command. We could call it a, a great commandment. Jesus, this is what he's commanded his people to be about. And so he says, go make disciples, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you and all includes the Great Commission. And so a disciple doesn't just follow Jesus, doesn't just just learn and grow in their faith. A disciple makes other disciples because they learn to obey Jesus and all that he's commanded. And so this is the beautiful thing about ministry is that it doesn't stop with you and me. Is that what God is up to is something much larger than you or I can imagine. That God multiplies ministry, that he continues to work through you and I as we share the gospel with someone and as we teach them about what it means to follow Jesus. Part of that is teaching them what it means to share the gospel with others around them, whether it's in their workplaces or their families. And the ministry doesn't stop with you. God continues his work through his people. As people join his church, as they trust in Christ, they continue to tell others around them about who Jesus is. And the, beautiful, the most beautiful thing that you can ever see in ministry is when God's work so goes beyond you that you never could have imagined it. That you hear stories of people that you have invested in, investing in others. And so I think of my grandparents and, and how that couple invested their lives in them and showed them what it meant to follow Christ. And then my grandparents and all those that they've discipled, including myself. And, and I know that one of the great joys of, of their lives is seeing that God's work continues beyond them. And it's one of the great joys that we have as a church to, to continue to share this message. And, and so when we look at the Great Commission, we see that disciples are made when we go. When we go out from this place, that's when disciples are made. We gather together so that we might equip one another, encourage each other in the faith, and that we might send one another out from this place to, to share the gospel at work, to share it in our neighborhoods and our families. And then we also see that disciples are made everywhere. To the end of the earth is what we read. And, and, 
And so as a church, we send, we send people to Kenya and Panama and, and the ends of the earth. We send people elsewhere to share the gospel because we believe that God is not just working amongst us here in J-Town and in Louisville, but that he's working all over the world. And so we send believers and we're generous with our resources and we give so that the gospel might go forth in places that you or I might not ever have the opportunity to touch. And that's the beauty of what God is doing through his people is that it continues beyond them. Disciples are made to be baptized in the name of the Trinity, and so baptism is the thing that we celebrate along with communion. We celebrate baptism and communion as a local church. We celebrate when people come to faith in Christ, they get baptized, they get immersed in the water, which shows that by trusting in Christ, they've been united with him in his death, so that his death is, is the death that they should have died for their sins, for their, for their evil and for the things they'd committed against God and others. And so when they're buried under the water, they, we proclaim that what they believe is in Christ's death for them. And then when they're raised out of it, we believe that they begin to walk in newness of life, that God has provided new life for those who trust in Christ, and that that life is found in Jesus Christ and nowhere else. And because he beat the grave, because he beat death itself, that's why we have hope in him. That's why we can trust him. Because the most grievous evil of this world is the consequence of sin, that, that sin brings about death and separates us from God. And the hope we have in the gospel is that because Jesus died in our place, we can trust in him, we can believe in him, knowing that his resurrection is ours. That because Jesus beat the grave three days after his death, we too, by faith in him, can have new life that will never end, that lasts forever. And so disciples are made as we teach this gospel. Disciples are made as we proclaim it as we teach those around us what it means to follow Jesus, to trust in him. And our great joy and our great hope is what he says at the end there. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so church, the unchanging God has given us an unchanging mission and he will always be with us for it. So would you pray with me? God, we thank you that we can trust in you. God, we thank you that you do not leave us or forsake us. We thank you that you have entrusted us with a great task, sharing your gospel wherever we are and wherever we go. God, we thank you for your power that is your spirit to do the task. Lord, we thank you that you are always with us to the end of the age. We thank you that in seasons and times of change in our lives and our churches and our jobs, God, that we can trust that you are continuing to be about your mission despite when life may seem confusing, we can trust you. And so God, we do that now and we ask that you would bless our time together as we celebrate Jesus' body broken for us and his blood shed for us. And it's in his glorious name we ask these things. Amen.